listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. When I began to pray about six years at the Mission, many of you may not know this, but um, because uh, we've actually, um, I, I started intern, interim pastoring here three years ago, just just a couple of days ago, and and uh, so um, it. Uh, Uh, The mission's been through a lot. You know, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail or anything, but I I am, we're six years old, and I am the third lead pastor of the mission. Some of you may not know that. We get into that into in our membership class and kind of our story and all that stuff. And, and uh, also when we have the Q&A with the pastor. But the mission has really gone through a lot. Um, we Essentially, we've had to start over three times as a church, essentially. And anybody here for those transitions and stuff? Yeah, right? Those were hard. Those were hard times. And uh, I'm, I'm overjoyed to tell you that we have now been a church as long as we suffered through all those transitions. Six marks the, the turning point. You know, we have been, uh, the first three years were really difficult and we have added three more years on top of that. Honestly, there was a time where we were six months into planning the mission that we didn't know if we were still going to be a church in a couple of weeks, you know. And uh, here we are, not one year later, not two years later, but six years later. And in my opinion, this last year is where the mission has found freedom. And so when I, was, when I was praying over year six, um, you know, I, I, uh, I began to hear this phrase further together in, in my prayers. And uh, um, it, the thing that came to mind that was further together was um, the old African um, proverb, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Far, go together. Fast, go alone. And I began to just process that. And, and, and that's, a, that's a saying that I've held dear for a long time because I believe that one of the enemy's most effective tools to keep us um, under his thumb is isolation. And so I just began to pray through that. If you want to go far, um, go together. And w- but, but where are we going? What, I began to ask the Lord, like, where are we going? And the things that he, he gave me were not what I expected, as, he, as it usually is. <laughs> uh, he said... Go further together in surrender. Go further together in obedience. Go further together in truth. And in that, you will go further together in freedom. And so that's my prayer for us as a church, is that we would go further together in surrender. 
that we would go further together in obedience, that we would go further together in truth and freedom. Because freedom doesn't come before the truth, right? So where we left off last week, we were at the Feast of Tabernacles, right? And uh, this is, this is a, a feast that Jewish folks had um, every year, I think, um, to celebrate the time where God provided for them in, as Israelites in the desert. You know, we talked last week about he, how he made uh, food fall from the sky and brought water for, out from a rock. And pr- this celebration was all about the provision of God in, in the desert. And, uh, and so, um, you know, Jesus shows up at this festival and everybody is divided about who he is. The big question is, who, he, who is he? Is he really who he says he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he just a man? This was the question on everybody's mind, but nobody was talking about it because of fear of what the Pharisees might do, which were, were the Jewish religious leaders of the day. And, and so everybody was divided on who Jesus was. And on the last day of the celebration, if you remember, we talked about this last week, Jesus stood up in the temple, right? These people are planning to kill him. And he stands up in a bold move in this temple and says in John 7, 37, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And and that... I shared last week about how that really stuck out to me because here they are celebrating God's provision for their ancestors in the desert and God's greatest provision is standing before them, offering them living water. If you're, if you're in the desert and you're thirsty, you're, you're dead. But... And a a cup of water will get you by for a little bit. It'll relieve you, but it won't bring you life. A well in the desert will create life in that desert. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll, it'll be sustainable. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Anyone, come to me and I will give you living water. And many believed, you know, um, many believed at that point. And, and there was, but really, there was still a really significant split in the crowd. And, and, uh, and those, th- there were some who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, there were others that believed G- Jesus was like demon-possessed, you know? Like, um, and, and, and the Pharisees, who were the most educated in the scriptures, continued to turn a blind eye to all the signs that Jesus was doing that fulfilled the prophecies in the Old Testament from the scriptures that they knew so well, right? And the Pharisees come to the place where they order guards to arrest Jesus, right? They're arresting him, and they, they send guards to arrest him, but the guards come back empty-handed, right? Empty-handed, and, and, and why was that? They told the Pharisees that no one had ever spoke like this man. 
They had never heard anybody speak like this man. They were moved by Jesus. And so moved that they disobeyed a direct order. Like, I mean, that's, that's big, right? And, and Jesus' time had not yet come to go to the cross. And, uh, but the time was rapidly approaching. And in John chapter 8, the beginning of verse 31, we find Jesus back in the temple um, Again, is surrounded by the crowd that was still significantly divided about who he was. They kept questioning Jesus about why they should believe in him when, when there was no one to actually back up his claim to be Messiah. And he's like, I don't need anybody else to back up my claim. I, I have the Father because the Father sent me. And your laws say, you know, if two people say something is true, it's true. And me and my father, we know who I am. And, and so even despite all the signs and wonders that Jesus had done, they're, they're, they, they just had their hearts set on proving him a liar, right? And uh, so Jesus tells them plainly in verse 28, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Have you ever felt alone? Like, maybe like abandoned? Or like everything around you is 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 pointing their finger at you. There's blame and uh, there's enough blame to go around it for everyone, but it's all landing on you. And, um, and, and Jesus is so calm and so cool-headed and just knows his role. He knows that the Father sent him and, and, and that he has not left him alone, which encourages me to remind myself that I'm not alone in those times, right? And, and, and for I always do the things that are pleasing to him, Jesus says. And Jesus, got, Jesus knows that God finds pleasure in him, right? And, and Jesus says, a day is coming when you will fully understand who I am. Speaking of when the Son of Man is lifted up, the crucifixion, right? And uh, so we pick up um, this, this verse, this set of scriptures in, in 8.31, um, John 8.31. Uh, so this is where we are. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, that's a, that's a big word. We're going to come back to that word, abide, because it's kind of a churchy word, you know. Um, some people uh, just throw that word around but don't really know what it means. You know, and uh, so we're going to come back to that word. But if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. Have you never uh, we and have never been enslaved to anyone? How is it that you say you will become free. So that 
right there, there's confusion right off the bat, right? It's like, what? You know, they're, they're like, wait, I, I've never been a slave, so aren't I free? Um, and uh, so I think it's really interesting what Jesus said in, in this, this uh, verse 31 uh, and 32, particularly the 32 part, is probably one of the most missed, misquoted, um, quoted out of context scriptures in the Bible. It, it just is. And, and, and so, um, so here they are thinking that they're free, right? And, and confused about what Jesus is saying. They just, they don't get it. And um, confusion is, the confusion is surrounding freedom, what freedom looks like and what slavery looks like. And, and Jesus says to the people who at, at this time, point in time believed him, but we all know that that can change on a dime in this scripture, uh, you know, the truth will set you free. And they felt like, well, we're sons of Abraham, right? We, we, we've, we've never been slaves. We, we have always been free because, um, because our forefathers were brought out of Egypt and put into freedom. And so, so to them, what Jesus is saying didn't make sense at all. But Jesus wasn't talking about outer slavery. He was talking about inner slavery, He was referring to the inner slavery, the slavery of sin. And Jesus says in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The practice of sin is slavery. These people, uh, to, to these people, slavery meant a very, very specific thing. This would have not registered on their radar, but, um, but so, so what sets you free? Verse 34, truly, truly, wait, no, 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's break that down a little bit, because this is where, this is where freedom Freedom comes from. If, if you abide, so what does that word abide mean? Anybody? Staying, obeying, right? Staying in, staying put. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The precursor to knowing the truth is abiding in my word. Jesus' teachings were all brand new to these, these people. We have the privilege of having this right here. I have one on my phone that will talk to me, right? Like, we, we have the privilege of having it such incredible access to God's word. And yet, do we stay with this? Do we abide in Jesus' word? Do we take these, do these teachings find a soft place, a welcoming place in our heart? 
See, I think sometimes when we approach the teachings of Jesus, we want to filter this through our life and our experiences. You know, everybody has a filter. When we communicate, we hear what, I hear what Ricardo is saying through my own filter, my own experiences, my own life, how things that have happened to me, things, choices that I've made. When we communicate to each other, we all hear through our own filter. And, and so sometimes we want to take this and put it through our own filter and just keep the parts we like and not keep the parts that we don't like, right? We, we allow this to go through our filter. But really, it, it should be, what Jesus is saying is, is abide, stay with it, obey. So our lives and, and experiences need to go through this as the filter, right? It's not the other way around. And so when we stay with, when Jesus says abide, in my word, and you are truly my disciples, that's, that goes beyond head knowledge, right? See, I think one of the things that we get so wrong is that you can know all about God and not be a child of God, right? You can know theology in and out, but if it doesn't have a place in your heart it's just head knowledge, right? And so there's a difference between knowing and being because being takes action, right? It, it, being uh, says that I take this book and I let it affect me. I don't affect this book, yes. right? And so Jesus is saying here, abide in my word and you are truly my disciple. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we are, so, so further down here, in 39, they answered him. There's this debate on who their father is, right? And, and Jesus finally says, you, you don't, you, you haven't, you don't follow my father, you follow your father. And uh, in 39, he, the, uh, they answered Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's child, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. See, you cannot bear to hear my word. Does this word, does the teachings of Jesus find a soft, welcoming place in our heart, right? Um, 
There's a verse in 2 Timothy 4.3 that says this, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Isn't, isn't that like, isn't that today? Like, right? For, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Whew. Man. See, we can't affect this book. If we're trying to affect this book, we're going about it wrong, right? This book needs to affect us. And so, so I, I just, man, this is what I want for us as a church is to go further into surrender to Jesus' teaching, to go further into obedience, to, we, we made a choice uh, several, like maybe a year and a half ago that we, were gonna, we weren't gonna do all the events that other churches do, and we weren't gonna have all the bells and whistles that some other churches do, because we, um, we, we knew we were small, and, the best thing that we could do for the kingdom of God is focus on discipleship. And so we just decided that, you know what, God will build his church and and we're gonna do our job and make disciples. And so in this next season of the church, what I wanna see is us surrendering and, and not just knowing, because anybody can know. Anybody can can quote scriptures from this book, watch the news, people do it all the time. Anybody can know this, but knowing isn't the same as being, knowing about God is not the same as being a child of God. And that's what I want for you, Mission, more than anything in the world. As the worship team comes, I want you to realize that this book, you can know it and still miss God in it. Surrendering, surrendering before God, surrendering before his word and taking the whole of it and saying, Lord, I don't understand, but I surrender. I surrender my understanding to you, Lord. Help me. I want you to know God, Mission Church. I want you to serve him. I want you to love him the way he loves you. And if we were to develop a culture 
at our church of surrender to God, living our lives in surrender, much like the Acts chapter uh, 242. This is what surrender in community looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. That's what surrendering community looks like. And so Mission Church, I I want us to go far together, not fast, alone. I want us to go further into surrender to God, further into obedience to his word, even when we don't understand. further into truth. And we will be set free. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all you've done. Lord, open us up to the places that we're blind, Lord, to our sin. Open us up to all the ways, Lord, that you have spoken to us, Lord. And we've ignored you, God. Father, Open our minds to new possibilities of surrender, Lord. God, in places where we have met your word with with misunderstanding, Lord, open our minds, God, and teach us, Father. Teach us, Lord, through each other. Teach us through your Holy Spirit, God. Guide our path. Make the way straight. Father, we love you. 
Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. And as the ushers come forward, we're going to pray for our tithes and offering. Father God, we Lord, we open ourselves wide before you now, opening our minds and hearts, Lord, before you. And we say that, Lord, what we have is from you. And so we give a portion of it back to you now in honor of you. Use it to build your kingdom. Use it to build the nations, Lord. Use it to... Raise up a new generation of believers, God. We give to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.